O thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. Hello, people. Line number one, you're supposed to have it all together. I love this song. I love this song, so yes, we're going to sing it. When they ask how you do this is Matthew West. Never better. So how are you doing, people? Line number two, everybody's life is perfect except yours. That's right, people. So keep your messes and your wounds and your secrets safe with you behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. The truth be told, the truth is rarely told. That's right. I say I'm fine, yeah, I'm fine, oh, I'm fine, hey, I'm fine, but I'm I'm broken, and when it's out of control, I say it's under control, but it's not, and you know it. I don't know why it's so hard to admit it, when being honest is the only way to fix it. There's no failure, no fall, there's no sin you don't already know, so let the truth be told. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight. I think you might be interested in that. There's a sign on the door that says, come as you are, but I, I doubt it. Have you ever felt that way about the church, huh? Because if we live like that was true, every Sunday morning pew would be crowded. Mm-hmm. But didn't you say church should look more like a hospital? A safe place for the sick. The sinner and the scarred and the prodigals like me. Mm-hmm. Well, truth be told, the truth is rarely told. Oh, am I the only one who says I'm fine? Yeah, I'm fine. Oh, I'm fine. Hey, I'm fine. But I'm not. I'm broken. And when it's out of control, I say it's under control. But it's Okay, now somehow I 
Somehow I don't know what I did with my volume on here. <clears throat> Somehow I, I accidentally shut it off. And I have no idea how. So hopefully... <laughs> Hold on, let me see one thing. Can you hear that? I can hear you. How many of you guys are Mr. Rogers' man? Uh -huh. no. Okay, you can hear that. Okay, good. I just want to make sure somehow that will go through. All right, there we go, people. All right, so hey, good evening, everybody. Good evening. It is Saturday. No, it's not. Today's Friday. It's Friday. <laughs> it's Friday. Yeah, it is. Today is Friday. It just feels like Saturday. <sighs> I hope you've had a good week. It has been super... It's been a super quick week here for me. Yeah, tonight I'm very, very casual. I'm wearing a very old sweatshirt in case you want to see this here. It's kind of cold here in Tennessee. It's actually going down into the 20s. Some of you out there, I heard that you, your weather is into the, into the 20s and also that you're, you've gotten snow already. Snow! Well, it makes sense. It's November. It's okay to have snow in November. Typically, we think of snow in December and January and February and March and April, occasionally May. <laughs> I, I think there was snow in May one year when I lived here. So, but anyway, all I say, I hope you had a, I hope you have had a good week. Uh, tonight, what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about that article, but I'm also going to play the interview that I did earlier this week with Gavin Edwards about his brand new book, Kindness and Wonder, Why Mr. Rogers Matters Now More Than Ever. Yeah. And you know what? Some of you probably don't even know who Mr. Rogers is because you're not old enough. Mm -hmm. But Bareface does. You want to show your face, handsome, hunky husband? Here's my face. Some people are probably wondering where the big yellow poof is over your left shoulder. I, I kept it there for a for dramatic good, effect. I, well, for a contrast between my hair and, and me. Right. Yeah. Just makes it more cheery looking. That's cool. <laughs> in my opinion. Anyway, I want to say hi to Annette and um, Angie. I see you in there. And I don't know anybody else. If, if anybody else is watching, thank you for coming in. Glad you're here. I know that a lot has been going on. And I want to tell you guys. I have recently become part of the TikTok audience. Now, if you don't know what TikTok is, um, I mean, not audience. Well, I guess I am part of the audience. TikTok, T-I-K-T-O-K, -K, TikTok. And um, so TikTok is basically a platform where you can put one-minute shorts or like or like um, 15 seconds or anyway, anywhere between, well, anyway, any, anywhere between zero, probably five seconds in a minute. You can post these really short videos. And what's interesting is I've been watching it for a while um, because my friend Chocolate Johnny over in Australia has been on it for quite some time. And he was on Snapchat, kept telling everybody to go over to telling everybody to go over to TikTok. And so anyway, long story short, I finally decide to I, I actually finally decided to join TikTok. So if you want to follow me over there. Uh, my name is over on TikTok is Stacy Lynn, just like my name spelled there down there, Stacy Lynn, L O J, which stands for Ladies of Justice. And I actually haven't even um, mentioned Ladies of Justice yet on there. Um, and Randall actually <clears throat> went, I would say, viral on TikTok <laughs> on my page. 
with a 15 second little snippet of him and Tuggy Bear. My I would not say uh, viral. Randall's dog. Look at a thousand it, views. That's over, okay. Still, it's got over a thousand views. That's a lot. All of my, the rest of mine's have anywhere between like 65 views and like 400 or 500 views, which is not bad considering. I'm just saying this considering. Usually Christians are like spiked everywhere, but my my title isn't Bible News Radio over there, so most likely I'm not being spiked because of that. Mm-hmm. So if you want some, you know, if you want to follow us more, just follow us over on Stacy Lynn L O J on TikTok, and um, and you can follow me. And if I know who you are, I'll follow you back. I've followed quite a few people. I'm trying to follow only wholesome people. I will say this about it: um, I've only been over there about a week little over a week. And what I can tell you is that there is a lot of vulgarity over there. Uh, a lot of, I have not seen any nudity, fortunately, but there's a lot of vulgarity, a lot of swearing, a lot of the F word. And it's not just adults, it's children too. And I'm really surprised by that. But the bright side is that there's also a lot of believers over there as well. Some are kind of misled, I think, but there there are some that are are I think genuinely there trying to minister the gospel of the Lord, and um, and so I find it really encouraging, and I followed some of these these men and women, um, and um, and I've responded to some of them in my page, um, which you'll be able to see once you um, once you follow over there. They they have what they call duets. You you can respond to another person doing it, and it actually does double screen. You can actually respond to it. So I've figured out how to do that. I'm like, I'm over 50. I'm trying to figure this out. So, and it's funny because there's a, um, there is a uh, um, generation thing going on there. Because there's like a ton of kids and millennials over there, but there's also a ton of people over 40 and 50. I've even seen grandmother types over there, so... Anyway, so TikTok, my name's Stacy Lynn L O J over there if you want to follow me over on TikTok. Of course, if you're not if you don't know what that is, it's a mobile app, you have to download it. Um, they do have a web platform that you can um, you can find, but the problem is I don't know what it is, so I can't tell you what it is. All right, so there's that. The other thing is I want to thank all of you guys for praying for Randall. This week he has been sick. Uh, has had a fever over a hundred. Uh, it lasted for almost over almost two days, right, Randall? I guess something like that. That's yeah. what it felt like, anyway. Finally, it broke. I tell you what, I've known him almost thirty years, and I've never felt him that hot before ever. I mean, he was burning <laughs> up. Mm. Well, I mean, I felt him hot, but, <laughs> but not in that way before. <laughs> And he's still not feeling good, but he's here. Yeah, you are. You're here. Yeah, I am. He's, I'm here. He's tired. This is literally probably the only thing he's done today besides lay down and um, stuff. So please keep praying for him. Appreciate and, it. And pray for me because, you know what, I don't want to get sick again either. Uh, being sick is no fun, and the older you get, the harder it is, if you know what I'm saying. So um, so that was another thing. Um, let's see what else was I going to tell you. Trying to think, because there's a lot I want to tell you all. Um, uh, actually, let me tell you this. If you are um, 
in the Tennessee area next year in 2020, uh, the National Religious Broadcasters Convention is going to be taking place, I believe, I want to, I don't know the actual dates, actually, wait, hold on, I can tell you. Um, I want to invite you to it. I mean, this isn't my event, but, but I will most likely be part of the media because I have been for the last 15 years, pretty much every time I could go. Usually at the end of February, right? Yeah, it's actually February 25th through the 28th. This is the largest Christian media convention that is held, and they have they have a ton of people who exhibit at this thing. There's probably between seven and ten thousand people that come to it. Depends on the year, though, of course. Um, but what I can tell you is that uh, we will be there covering it, uh, Lord willing, and um, and I hope that um, it's four days. Um, and anyway. Just want to let you know about it. If you are in the area in Nashville in that in the early in late February, um, it might be an event you might want to go to. They have a lot of good Christian entertainment, a lot of good speakers, um, <clears throat> and all that. Honestly, so much of it I don't even know who it is because I'm not as plugged in as I used to be. But um, there is that. I also have an interview coming up with um, the author of a brand new book. Uh, on Mary Magdalene, and let's see, that interview is going to be taking place, well, I'm actually doing the interview on the 20th, so we'll be, we'll be airing that probably in two weeks from now. So if you've ever had any questions about Mary Magdalene, you know, in the Bible, um, you might want to tune in for that interview as well. So that, that should be fun. All right. Okay. All right. So earlier this week, though, I was invited to interview um, Gavin Edwards, who happens to be a New York Times bestselling author. He has written at least 11 books. Um, some of his books include, um, oh gosh, I don't even know, The Tao of Bill Murray, Real Life Stories of Joy, Enlightenment, and Party Crashing. Um, and he wrote about last night at the Viper Room, River Phoenix, and the Hollywood he left behind, uh, the world according to Tom Hanks, the life, the obsessions, the good deeds of America's most decent guy. Um, he wrote a book called, excuse me, while I kiss this guy and other misheard lyrics. Um, VJ, uh, Unplugged, Adventures of MTV's First Wave. He's actually a contributing author to Rolling Stone magazine. Um, anyway, long story short, he's written a lot of stuff. He's pretty well respected. He's very well known. Uh, he is a New York Times um, best-selling author, a contributing editor for Rolling Stone, a survivor of the world's largest tomato fight. <laughs> he's the author of nine books, including... Okay, I already read most of those here. I just finally found this. He has come in second place on Jeopardy, um, third place on Merv Griffin's Crosswords, and seventh place in a demolition derby at Riverhead Raceway. His website is rule42.com, and that's R-U-L-E, and then the words 42 spelled out, .com. You can go there. And he can be followed on Twitter at Mr. Gavin Edwards. Uh, he has lived in New York, London, L.A., and Charlotte. Um, 
And I, anyway, so I had the honor of interviewing him earlier this week about his new book, Kindness, uh, and wonder why Mr. Rogers matters now more than ever. So I'm going to be playing that interview in a minute, but I wanted to um, get to the article, the lead article here. We'll re we'll we'll read that first, and then we'll get into the the thing. So <clears throat> there's an article that Randall's going to pull up for us, but it's titled "With Approval from the Vatican." Canaanite idol Moloch has been put on display in Rome. So this is breakingisraelnews.com. Um, and this is interesting because if you look at this um, idol down there, this is becoming so common more and more and more. And it's really sad because it's like the devil is like totally enjoying this fame he's getting. But listen to this. It says here, um, the pagan Canaanite idol who required child sacrifice was displayed at the entrance of the Colosseum in Rome as part of a secular historical exhibition. The exhibition is part of a larger exhibit dedicated to ancient Rome's historic adversary, the city of Carthage. The exhibition is called Carthago, the immortal myth. It runs until March 29th, 2020. <clears throat> The statue's presence comes just over a week following a video that emerged in what appears to be Pope Francis blessing a Pachama goddess statue. It is well known that the Vatican is currently hoarding Israel's stole, stolen treasures from the Second Temple, which does not surprise me at all. A source close to the matter told Breaking Israel News that there is no way that such a thing could be done without direct permission from the highest levels of the Vatican. The Colosseum of Rome is owned by the Vatican and specifically the Diocese of Rome who, who also called the Holy See. If anyone wants to do anything there, they must get permissions from the office of the Diocese of Rome. <clears throat> the exhibition called Carthago, the immortal myth, could not be held there at all unless permissions were granted at high levels. The god Moloch was historically worshipped by both the Canaanites and the Phoenicians. Um, do not allow any of your offspring to be offered up to Moloch, and do not profane the name of your Lord. I am Hashem, Leviticus 18.21. According to the Jewish commentator Rashi, or Rashi, the Canaanites would give their children to pagan leaders who made two massive bonfires. The child is carried by his legs between the two fires. The child isn't really burned, but just passed through the two bonfires. The Torah prohibition is regarding the ritual of giving over one's children to these pagan leaders to pass through the fire. And then it says here, Parco and Archaeologico del Colosio, whatever. Anyway, the organization that's managing the exhibition claims that the purpose is, quote, to help familiarize the public with the series of historical events that unite the two great powers of the ancient world, <clears throat> Carthage and Rome. Let me ask you something. What, um, like, <clears throat> why? <laughs> I mean, really, why? I mean, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, just to butt in here. Go ahead. I mean, why, in, Mr. <laughs> I mean, why would it be important to... <clears throat> To familiarize the public with with the historical events that united um, empirical Japan and Nazi Germany, you know, uh, during World War II, or really, what really started World War II. Um, 
kind of the Axis powers. Um, I mean, his, historically, you know, it's it, to you know, it's important that history not repeat itself. Study that, but familiarize the public. I mean, if it's like through public displays or something, rather than being history books, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's. I don't. I don't get it other than to promote this kind of pagan worldview. Yeah. Well, okay, so it goes on <clears throat> to say a reconstruction of the terrible deity Moloch linked to Phoenician and Carth Carthaginian religions is featured in the 1914 film Cabiria, directed by Giovanni Pastori and written by Gabriel D'Annunzio will be stationed at the entrance to the Colosseum to welcome visitors to the exhibition. A press release stated about the controversial exhibit. I just have to say this, okay? This is, you know what's interesting to me about, okay, so the Vatican is backing this, right? The Vatican heads up the, the Catholic Church, right? Right? Okay. The Catholic Church is one of the, the, the forefront religious organizations in the world that promotes um, stopping abortion, right? I mean, probably more Catholics or Catholics, uh, Christian Catholics, if they are, um, go and protest at, at abortion clinics than actually Christians do. At least most of the ones that I know have done that. So I find it interesting that at the very top of the Vatican, they would go ahead and, and promote this type of child abuse or sacrifice, you know, just the quote education of it. I think that's kind of interesting, don't you? But I also believe that the Vatican is evil myself. Um, don't get mad at me if you're Catholic, but I, I don't think the Pope is holy at all. Um, and I think that the Vatican is evil. And I think that they're going to be part of the new world religion. And I think that they're all about ecumenicalism. The current Pope is very liberal. Um, and, and so this is, I mean, I mean, why would a godly Pope, why would a godly person in general bless something satanic? Okay. I mean, that's just, you know, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, right? Oh, I need to finish the article. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so it says here, um, yeah, the Colosseum was one of many Roman amphitheaters where Christians were tortured and executed to entertain pagan worshippers. The Vatican has remained silent and has not expressed any opposition to the deity's presence. This has raised many eyebrows as the display comes on the heels of a controversial pagan ceremony involving the South American goddess of Pachama. The statues were two identical images of a naked pregnant Amazonian woman that were cast into Rome's Tiber River. As bishop of this diocese, Rome, I ask forgiveness for those who have been offended by this gesture Pope Francis wrote in a statement. Really? Speaking of the the video that surfaced. The Pope is a butthead. You can quote me on that. I've got that video cued. Oh, you want to? Okay. You, all right, let me put in my headset and we can watch it. Let's watch this together. I have not watched this, so. Am I going to like this video? Have you seen it? 
I'm not. It's just 33 seconds. Yeah, so. you'll get my real, re real and raw reaction. Okay, wait. Hold on a second. I'm going to go ahead and put this into my, my hidden ears. I do have ears, people. See, there they are. Okay. I know it's hard to see them with, uh, with hair as long as mine. Okay, I'm ready. Captivating video, people. Yeah, it was. Not. Anyway, do you have commentary on that bear face? Well, not really knowing the, um, you know, anything about that particular. Hi, Stephen, over on YouTube. The the significance of that particular statue, the hmm? uh, pregnant woman. There's nothing wrong with a pregnant woman. But if there is indeed, you know, some idolatry around that, it's an idol and not just a piece of art. Huh. And then he, you know, gives this little girl or this young woman a blessing and takes and takes the idol with a big smile on his face. If if he's knowing that this is an idol, you know, vital worship, then that's why, why that's wouldn't, why wouldn't the Pope know that? <laughs> He's supposed to be the most religious, holy person in the world. Yeah, anyway, so... Am I right about that? Put a one if you think I'm right, that the Pope is supposed to be the most holy person in the whole world. They're actually called the Holy See, S-E-E. -E. So, which I find it kind of dumb, personally, but... Um, anyway, um... Yeah, it's just, while it's not all that, you know... Uh, dramatic footage. Oh, hi, Sean. Just, just the. Sean showed up. Just so you know. That's cool. Just the, just thought of it. You know. Yeah, it is. I mean, if you think of any, you know, Protestant church or anything like that, where someone brings up, you know, some tiki thing or you know, some sort of any sort of uh, Buddha, let's say a Buddha statue and. This would be my, my idol. Just kidding. <laughs> oh, Phil. Phil, we love you, Phil. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. I love Phil, but I, you know, I don't kiss him. That's not my idol. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like a lot of people, they're like, get me one of the, get me a Trump bobblehead. Yeah. Give me a Trump bobblehead. Yeah. Trump, 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 Trump. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, let's think, let's just talk one minute about bobbleheads. Who the hell came up with this idea? <laughs> just say it. <laughs> this is one of the most stupid ideas I've ever heard in my life. That, that they, they made, they made, you know, a doll with somebody with a, it's like a spring on there. And they call it a bobblehead because you can move it back and forth. 
you know, there's one wrong thing about this, okay? There's there's so many wrong things about this Phil Robertson bobblehead. Okay, I'll tell you what it is. It happens to not have a Bible, okay? Because Phil always has his Bible with him. This should have a hand that has a Bible in it, if this is going to be accurate. Yeah, just saying. Yeah, Pope bobblehead, you're right. That's what, ooh, wouldn't it be nice to have a Pope bob, bob, bobblehead? Yeah, anyway. All right, that was for levity. Don't judge. Don't be upset. I know some of you are going to probably write me a letter and tell me off. Arthur, you're so, you're so judgmental. Yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah. Actually, you know, I remember years, like, when I was a kid, I had neighbors that lived behind me. This was before I was a Christian. And they were Buddhists. And one day they came into my house. They brought their little Buddhist little buddha thingy it was like a little doll thing and they put it on the fireplace and they're like you have to kiss it now so i was like okay so i went and i kissed it <laughs> now looking back i'm like what why did i do that and this is because that's what they told me to do i was just a child yeah i was anyway so i i repented just so you know and then i became a christian and followed jesus you know and walked like him i'm not perfect which, you know, which leads me to a question of the day. And then I'm going to play the interview with you, with, with Mr. Rogers, the, about Mr. Rogers. So my question of the day is, what would you do in this situation? I had this happen today. So I went to an appointment that was set at 10 o'clock in the morning, okay? 10 a.m. on a Friday, which directly conflicts with pickleball, just so you know, okay? I'm usually playing pickleball at 10 a.m. on a Friday because I love pickleball and I can only play in the morning unless it's Saturday and that's morning. Um, I can play Tuesday night, which, by the way, I did. I played Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday this week. Did really good, actually. Um, but anyway, so this person wanted me to meet them at 10 a.m. So I had to drive down to Brentwood to do it. It took me 40 minutes to get there. So this wasn't like a close appointment. This was almost an hour away. I show up, I get there 10 minutes early and, um, because I'm polite and I wanted to be on time, right? For the 10 a.m. appointment that they set, they picked the time. Um, and so I'm waiting, 10 o'clock comes, the guy doesn't come out, 10 or 4 comes, still, I'm still waiting. So that's almost 15 minutes, right? I'm waiting. Finally, 10, 10, the guy comes out on his phone, hey. I'll be with you in a minute, you know, kind of mouse it to me and stuff. And by this time, I'm kind of irritated because I'm like, how hard is it to tell whoever it is you're talking to? Look, you have an in-house appointment for somebody that just drove to see you to say, hey, you know what? Can we wrap this up later? You know, this, this is a, an important appointment. This woman, I'm sure, has a busy schedule like I do. Can I call you back, right? That's how simple it is. Or to put that person on hold and then tell me, hey, this call might be another 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes, right? I'm so sorry. You know, can I get you whatever? That didn't happen. So I'm sitting there a couple of, you know, and I'm like, okay, Lord, what should I do here? One of the things that I've been learning because um, I'm in recovery, right? We, we all recover from certain things and hopefully as you get older you begin to take more power back right and you really do teach people how to treat you 
You know, you if you allow somebody to treat you poorly, they're going to continue to treat you poorly. And there are a lot of business books that I've read and I've listened to where they talk about um, uh, just just respect somebody's time. And look, I get that maybe that was an emergency phone call. Maybe. Who knows? It sure as heck didn't look like it, but it could have been, right? I mean, the guy didn't look distraught at all, uh, you know, and I get that things happen, right? I totally get that. That's why I give Grace 10, 15 minutes, right? Um, and in this case, 30 minutes. I waited 30 minutes. So by 20 after, I'm like, you know what? This guy knew that this appointment was from 10 to 10.30. That was, that's what he told me. He put it on the calendar for 10 to 10.30. It's almost 10.20. I had another appointment I needed to do before I came back here because I had a lunch date at one o'clock. So I, I knew that I needed to get this other appointment down in Brentwood taken care of. So you know what I did? I left. Yeah. I left. I wrote a note. I said, look, I got up early. I drove down here 40 minutes to come and meet you. Got here on time. And it is close to 1030 now. And you're not out. I'm gone. See ya. Actually, that's how I ended it. I wrote, see ya. And I signed my name. And, you know, I have to tell you something. I want to encourage all of you to do the same thing. You know what? If somebody disrespects your time and doesn't even show you the courtesy the courtesy of even an apology, which this guy, by the way, didn't even call me afterwards, which tells you something, um, then don't do business with those type of people because you, you deserve to be treated with respect. And when people don't respect your time, you know, if they show up late consistently to appointments, and I get, look, there's grace for lots of stuff, but if it's a consistent thing over and over and over again, then stand up and say, you know what? I don't need to take this from you. I don't care who you are. <laughs> this, this is, this is not right. And, and people will take advantage of you if, as if you don't stand up for yourself and say, you know what? This is unacceptable. And I've heard stories. I, I heard a story once where a guy, um, taught his son. They were, he was in sales and, and the guy had an appointment it was a, like a big executive. He had an appointment with this executive and this executive was like five minutes late. And the guy that showed up to meet the executive to do business with him, the executive was late. The secretary, you know, came out or whatever and told the guy that came to see the executive, oh, well, he's running a little bit late or whatever. And you know what happened? The, the businessman guy the one that came to see the executive, he told the secretary, tell him, you know, I'm sorry, but my time is very valuable. Time is money. Um, he's not on time. I'm gone. And so she did. And you know what happened? The executive called the guy and he said, you know what? I am so sorry. Uh, can we reschedule? And the guy said, sure, I'll give you another chance. And you know what? That man showed up 10 minutes early for the next guy's appointment with that man because he knew that that guy wasn't going to put up with his BS and be late. And I think if more people did that and stood up instead of excusing people for their bad behavior and being rude, I think more people would be happy and not as resentful and all that. And I have to tell you, 
I I had to go to the shoe store after this, right? Okay, it's a long story, but I've been trying to get to this particular shoe store for a couple of years, and I'm never down in that area because I never go down in that area, and I figured I'm a mile away from this place. So I went to the shoe store. I didn't even tell you this, Randall, but I went to the shoe store, and as I was getting out of my car, um, um, there was this um, Mexican guy, construction worker who had just pulled into the parking spot next to mine he was clearly a construction worker and he said hey how you doing you know kind of polite and I said hey yeah I said you know how I'm doing and he's like how and I walked up to him you know picture me I'm wearing my black slacks and bright shirt and a leather jacket and I'm irritated right because I just left this other bozo he's like how you doing I go you want to know how I'm doing I said you know what men men should never disrespect a woman's time he was like, yeah, ma'am, I don't think so. <laughs> and I told him what I did. And he said, good for you. Don't let him treat you that way. <laughs> and anyway, and I went in the store and I, and I got some sneakers. And by the way, I want to thank my friend Tracy, Tracy, for giving me some birthday money. And, um, and I got a brand new pair of sneakers, which I really, really needed. Um, and they fit really good. Not that any of you really care about that, but I just thought I'd share, um, but anyway, so all I'd say, just stand up for yourself, you know? Uh, those of you who are codependent, and what I mean by that is you always put somebody else's needs and feelings before your own. First of all, there's nowhere in the Bible that says you have to do that. The Bible says treat one another as you want to be treated. And it says love one another the way that you want to be loved, you know? And I think that it's okay to stand up for yourself in a respectful way and to go, hey, you know what? You have feelings. Your feelings matter, not just the person that you love and care about, right? We are not to be codependent people. We're interdependent people. We are depend on each other. You know, some of us are nurturers, you know, more so than others. But just because you're a nurturer doesn't mean that people get to take advantage of you right? Because look, you know, the old adage when mama's sick, nobody's happy, like nothing gets done because mom's sick. You know what? If you're always taking care of other people and you're putting yourself last and you're not taking care of yourself, you're actually not being biblical, you know, because the Bible says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, I'm not one of these people that preaches self-love. Oh, you got self-love. You know, I love myself. I have my daily affirmation, you know, about, you know, who, oh, I am the greatest, uh, you know, not that. That's baloney. But you respect yourself enough that you're not going to take BS from people and, you're, and you set boundaries and you say, look, this is it. And as Dr. Dobson used to say, if you put that your little furry fuzzy toe over that boundary, guess what's going to happen? You're going to lose that toe. Just saying, get your toe back over there. <laughs> you know, the book Love Must Be Tough, which is a great book, by the way. Um, um, all that. So <clears throat> anyway, but people do it in business all the time. And I think uh, I think this guy thought, well, she's interested in this, this opportunity. And, um, you know... And the truth is, I can do this opportunity with a different person. I don't have to do it with him. Anyway, okay, so what did Angie say here? Indeed, it is too much self-love and not enough crucifying self. Right. Okay, and Idle Mind is the devil's workshop. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so, yeah, so anyway, so sorry the therapist in me just came out, but it's, 
it's irritating to me because I know a lot of people who are bullied by people um, who think that they're all that in a bag of chips and they're not. They're just at the end of the day, always remember this and then I'm going to shut up and and we'll we'll play the um, well, actually, I'll do my my sponsor. But at the end of the day, remember this. Everybody has to go to the bathroom the same way. Okay, just saying. You know, and everybody's poo stinks. Okay, and there are some people that just don't think theirs does. And you know what? It does. Just saying. <laughs> All right, so Ariel Ministries is our sponsor. And you guys, if you have not yet visited Ariel.org, please do so. Go over to Ariel.org. Go there. You can save 20% when you use that coupon code Bible News. And if you want some good biblical theology, then what you can do is you can get that stuff and you can um, actually, you know, get some good stuff there. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> You know, and Randall and I, we've been teaching, Randall mostly has been teaching out of the life of Christ from Messianic Jewish Perspective series, those four books. Get those while you can at using that discount, the 20% discount, okay? All right, so do that. If you want to donate to Bible News Radio, that is just Randall and me. It really is. Um, then you can do that at BibleNewsRadio.com forward slash give. Just give to our slush fund over there. It helps us to pay for our food, our expenses for the show, etc., um, if any of you want to donate to our Tuggy Bear Fund to help us pay pay this vet bill, <laughs> first I gotta say Tug is doing great. His eyes doing great. He's looking really good. Uh, but yeah, we still got like three grand to pay off on that thing. So if you love animals, you want to give a couple dollars toward the Tuggy Bear Fund. Just just say that when you donate. Just say this is for Tug, and we will put that into the Tuggy Bear Pay Down Fund. Um, and also, you know, take it out of the Bible news radio expense category. Um, if you have not yet become a member of legal shield or gotten ID shield for identity theft protection yet, uh, I would highly encourage it for this reason. First of all, it's a great product. It's very affordable. And second of all, Christmas is coming and the thieves are going to be out in high full force. And one thing that I've learned, at least with identity theft in particular, is that the thieves tend to hit around Christmas and around other major holidays, but Christmas time is a huge time. What they do is they get your identity, they get all that stuff, because think about it, people are going to be shopping all over the place, online and in person. They, they take that data and then they hold it to around IRS time in April, and that's when they slam you with that, the identity theft. Just so you know, the the research has shown that identity theft takes place they gather the data and then they sell it so it takes a couple months to get out and it usually hits around tax time so if i were you which i'm not um you uh should protect your identity and you can do that for as low as 9.95 a month for an individual plan that's one bureau or 14.95 for a three bureau plan if you're a family, it's $24.95 or $29.95 with kids under 18. Okay, so get in touch with me uh, if you want to sign up. Do you know how to do it? Just contact me through through my website. Just say, hey, um, I want to sign up. All right. Okay, so now let's listen to the interview with Gavin Edwards, who wrote that book about Mr. Rogers called Kindness and Wonder, 
why Mr. Rogers matters now more than ever. You might actually find out something funny about me in this interview because I shared it with this guy. Uh, and so, and unfortunately, because it was not a video interview, it's just audio. Uh, now, just pretend you're listening to a podcast because you're going to see the graphic of the book for the next 15 or 16 minutes. All right. Ready, people? Okay, here we go. There's so many of you because, you know, Mr. Rogers. Can you hear that? Everybody. Yeah, he did. And today I have the a brand new book. It's called Kindness and Wonder Why Mr. Rogers Matters Now More Than Ever by author Gavin Edwards, who is an absolutely wonderful man. Yeah, he is. And he's here on our show today. And so I just want to say welcome, Gavin, to our show. Glad you're here. Can't believe you made it to our Hello, Stacy. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> So, okay, so um, so I have a question. Uh, I know that, you, well, tell everybody a little bit about your background, first of all. I know I know that you're the author, a New York Times bestselling author of 11 books. That's super cool. How'd that happen? <laughs> it's not a bad life. It keeps me out of trouble. Uh, I um, am started off mostly as a uh, pop culture writer uh, about sort of like music and movies and TV for places like Rolling Stone and Spin and the New York Times and other uh, magazines and uh, uh, papers. And I've been writing more books lately. Um, and uh, what I seem to have uh, specialized in is um, books about pop culture uh, figures who um, have a, a distinct philosophy. Uh, I did a book about Bill Murray and how he'll sort of, you know, sort of come into, uh, he'll like, crash your party, wash the dishes, and then leave. Um, and so he's somebody who's trying to, like, believe would jolt to wake you up. Um, but then, it, you know, sort of, it seemed like the perfect example of this was Fred Rogers, who just, you know, sort of, like, had this bone-deep decency and caring about children and their welfare and, like, everything he did in life, uh, like, both on camera and off camera, was to try to, like, better the lives of children. Yeah, I think that's so cool, because you really don't, you don't really see that much today, you know? And and it's interesting, because by today's standards, you know, um, PBS back in the day, you know, some people would consider super boring. And, and in fact, a lot of people would consider Mr. Rogers super boring. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody like mocks him because he wears that like that sweater and stuff. So what what was what, how did you get interested in in learning more about him? Well, you know he, um, he they, it's all about like the rituals, like the sweaters, and he speaks slowly, and it's completely age appropriate um, uh, if you're you know sort of five six years old, but if you're fifteen sixteen, that's not what you need then. And so it's easy to make fun of the things that you used to like care about and uh, that matter to you because you're showing that you're a different person now. So I cared about him because, you know, like he helped form me. Um, and uh, I watched the show like when I was young and I loved it. And, you know, I sort of didn't realize all the things he was doing. or I, I didn't even realize it was him doing the puppets when I was a kid. And he did almost all of the puppets on the show. But you get older and realize that a lot of just like my moral grounding came uh, from this man and just sort of like the acceptance and the love that he showed me um, and realizing that if, you know, sort of like other people remember that too and you awaken that light in them and they help sort of push things in a uh, more positive direction in their worlds, then like we'd all be better off. 
Yeah, I, I just think that's so cool. So what, so your subtitle of the book um, is Why Mr. Rogers Matters Now More Than Ever. Of course, kindness and wonder is the first part. Um, so why, why does it matter now more than that? Uh, yeah, that didn't come out right, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. So it feels like the, the world today is just getting like, louder and cruder and crasser and meaner, just like every step of the, the way. Um, and certainly in the, like the political discourse and then in sort of like the culture at large. And I think that sort of like leaks into people's own lives, even if you say that's not like what we want, like uh, to be uh, like the family dinner time to be about. It just sort of feels like just as like a citizen of the world we live in, it's sort of like it's the water we're swimming in. So it feels like, you know, now more than ever, you know, even though the, you know, sort of like Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood is not regularly on the air, there's so many of us who sort of like grew up with him. And it's such a useful corrective that, you know, like hardly anybody can be Mr. Rogers 100% of the time, you know, sort of like, you know, Mr. Rogers is the exception. He's a very unusual person. But if people, like, even, like, 3% of the time uh, take, you know, sort of the lessons he taught us and just, you know, like, daily have a moment or two where they try to, uh, you know, sort of make this more thoughtful choice and, you know, like, sort of, like, listen to other people and to be kind and to communicate, uh, then, uh, you know, like, that's what the world needs right now. Yeah, I agree. You know, it's funny because... Um, <clears throat> Recently, I discovered the mobile app TikTok. Are you familiar with that? I, I, I have not, do not have it myself, but I know what it is. Mm. Okay. Yeah, it is. It's a, you know, I'm in, you know, I, I use a whole bunch of different platforms to, to promote our show. And I just was recently on TikTok, which is basically a, uh, you can put 15 seconds or one minute, like video clips of whatever the heck you want. And I was really surprised, honestly, at the vulgarity on this app i mean right. just the vulgarity and i and not too long ago candace cameron beret actually also wrote a book um called kind is the new classy and you know so it kind of is interesting to me that that this theme of kindness tends to be welling up with with a lot of people because the media and i think frankly it is the media is the one that's kind of the purveyor of of indecency right i mean um like I, like I heard, I heard this about Mr. Rogers. Maybe you can verify it. I heard a story once that, that he was very careful with certain images that he would put out because he didn't want to scare the children. Was that true? Oh, uh, uh, there's so many things that he was extremely thoughtful about. Like if he was putting on like sort of like a Halloween mask on his show, he would like sort of warn the children ahead of time, I'm going to look different, but it's still me underneath, and then I'll take it off again. So, uh, yes, uh, like he, uh, nothing went out on that show that he like wasn't thoughtful about and, uh, you know, sort of made sure that he put in context for like his viewers. So did you find anything about him when you wrote the book that surprised you? I did not realize um, the, the extent to which, um, you know, sort of, uh, there were so many things that went over my head in the show when I was a kid. And I'll give you one small one, um, which was 
uh, you know, he didn't drill letters and numbers the way Sesame Street did, but he was still getting children ready to read um, because he would stage the action on the show left to right uh, whenever he could. He comes in that front door, he walks down to the right to put the sweater on. The trolley goes to the neighborhood of make-believe left to right, and he was uh, more attuned to like children's emotional uh, needs. But he knew that like I'm do- they was doing this on purpose to just sort of like get them used to like having their eyes go left to right when they would be learning to read very soon. Oh, you know what? That's very cool. That is cool. Wow. That's super you know, cool. I mean, I was thinking what you're saying about TikTok. Uh, that you, uh, I can't promise you, like Mr. Rogers would have been on TikTok, but he was a master communicator. Like, uh, you know, sort of television was the TikTok of its day when he started in it. it. Like, he found a new medium and recognized the power and how to do it. And he often said that you know, he believes that, like, the space in between, sort of like uh, the speaker and the listener, he like thought it was holy ground. Um, and, you know, sort of like when he was studying in the ministry, um, you know, there, he had he said one of the turning points of his life uh, was he went to see uh, the, a preacher who he had heard good things about, and there was a substitute who gave just what he thought was a dreadful sermon. And he, uh, and he was kind of grinding his teeth because he's like, my God, you know, this guy doesn't even know what he's doing. And then at the end, the woman he was with, like, had tears running down her face. And she said, he said exactly what I needed to hear. Mm-hmm. And he said it was one of the moments of his life because he realized that he had come in judgment, Fred. Uh, but the woman he was with, you know, had come with, like, an open heart. And she had heard the message, even though it had been inartfully expressed. And uh, so... You know, throughout his life, he was like, I need to find a way to communicate. And if it's not coming through, like the first time, I'm going to find a different way to it. And that moment that where, like, there's that connection where you hear what I'm saying and we finally are on the same wavelength, that's like where the Holy Spirit is. That is so cool. Well, and, you know, it's funny because, oops, wait a minute. I'm trying to turn down this volume over here. Too much technology in my life, Gavin, just so you know. Okay, anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, and you know, it's interesting because I don't think we ever really know how much we're being used. And I think the thing that's interesting to me is that, you know, he, Mr. Rogers died in 2003, as far as I understand. And here it is 16 years later. And it seems like all of these things are being done about him. All these books are being made. There's movies being made. Can you tell us a little bit about the movie that Tom Hanks is going to be in, that where he's going to play Mr. Rogers? Do you know anything about that? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I haven't seen it yet, um, but it's uh, based on a, a wonderful magazine article by uh, Tom Juno, uh, who uh, you know sort of came to him late in life, and as was often the case with uh, people who came to interview Mr. Rogers. Uh, you know, Fred didn't want to give up that much of himself. He was much more comfortable, uh, you know, sort of asking about uh, the person who was there. That you know, he sort of uh, he didn't find himself that interesting, but he always wanted to make that connection. And interviewers would often find, "Hey, I went to interview Mr. Rogers, and I've got a tape full of me telling him my problems." <laughs> so. mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and it's it's so funny because you know he he was such a humble man. I think, um, you know, he came. Yeah. He came across very humble, and as you said, you know, he was a minister. Um, wasn't he like a, a Presbyterian? Was it a Presbyterian? Was he a Presbyterian? Correct. Okay. Yeah, he, he was ordained in the Presbyterian Church, although he never had a 
formal congregation, he regarded the children who watched this show as his congregation. And was he married and did he have children? Um, uh, he was married to his uh, college sweetheart, Joanne, and uh, uh, they had uh, two uh, boys. Cool. I didn't see. I didn't know that. I mean, I'm 51. I know I don't look it, um, but <clears throat> that's where you're supposed to laugh. Just say. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but I, I mean, it was funny what you were saying about the electronics because I, you know, I have the same uh, problem as you that you know, sort of, it's, uh, the world is very aside from being crude and crass, the world is like distracting and it's easy to like get stretched in seventeen different ways, and you feel like you're plugged in all the time. But then at the end of the day, you say, "I'm like, you know, sort of like a dog on like an ice skating rink. You know, I'm just a skitter, skitter, skitter." And one of like the Mr. Rogers, like his most fundamental precept was be deep and simple. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, sort of, I really try to listen to that. It's hard for me to hear that uh, message, but I think it's important that, you know, sort of most of the most rewarding things in my life have been when I slow down and I focus on one subject, maybe to write a book or maybe just to be deeply engaged with something or the bonds I make with my family and a neighborhood, um, you know, sort of like, it can be fun to be plugged into 19 things at once, but the, uh, but the really important things in life are worth slowing down for and making that deep connection. And yeah. that's like one of the big lessons I try to take away from him. Be deep and simple. Wow, that's, that's profound. It really is. I mean, because today's culture is, is completely not. <laughs> We're, right. It's yeah. value-based, yeah. It I mean, valorizes the opposite of that. Yeah, it really yeah. is. So what I was going to say is I'm 51. I actually didn't ever, I've never watched his show. I know it sounds horrible, but I have actually never watched his show. So I am. Really? Yeah, really. I mean, I wasn't, what, you, I don't so, know. So what I'm, did you watch when you were a kid? What were your favorite shows? I watched uh, the Brady Bunch. <laughs> okay. That was pretty much it. You know, as far as I can really remember, I don't remember ever watching Sesame Street either. So um, interesting, isn't it? Because so, demographically, you're right in the sweet spot. Uh, you just, uh, for whatever reason, like it wasn't a thing in your household. Uh, so. I know. Isn't that weird? So, yeah, so that's why, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, in, I'm not really embarrassed. It wasn't my fault, but I'm, you know, I'm kind of like just fascinated by the fact that Mr. Rogers is such a staple. And I didn't, I mean, you know, like you said, I'm in that base, but I, I've only heard about him because of what I do here which is kind of amazing. Right. Isn't it? So just, it goes, it just goes to show you honestly that just because somebody made a cultural impact doesn't mean everybody in that um, generation was impacted, you know? Sure. And, but it also shows you that like the message gets out different ways. So like you never watch the show, but you know, like what he stood for. And, right. you know, I'm sure you, had friends, I mean, you may not have ever talked about it on the playground, but you know, sort of, I'm sure you had friends uh, when you were in elementary school who watched the show and that colored the way that they uh, behaved around you. Yeah. Um, and so he's one of those people who, you know, sort of like the, the, the lessons he taught people and what he stood for in the world, like sort of went out far beyond, you know, sort of like those half hours of uh, like him being on television. Yeah. Actually, you know what? It was the New Zoo Review. That was my favorite show as a kid. Yep. Okay. Do you, do you remember that show? 
<laughs> it just scared me. I do remember that. There was Freddy the Frog and Henrietta Hippo. I remember that. So. <laughs> so, okay, so tell everybody how they can get your book, because you know, obviously, I'm gonna, I want to get. Oh, book it. um, the, it's called Kindness and Wonder, and uh, anywhere books are sold, should be in your local bookstore. You know, sort of all of the popular the online places as well, um, and uh, it, it's uh, it's out now. Okay. And do you have a website or anything like if people want to learn more about what your work is, and, you know, all that? Sure. Um, so um, uh, my website, um, the easiest way to get to it is just to type in GavinEdwards.com. And I'm also on Twitter at uh, Mr. Gavin Edwards uh, is the name. And on Twitter, is it Mr. like MR or Mr. as in Mr. Rogers? M-R-G-A-V-I-N-E-D-W-A-R-D-S. All right, cool. I will follow you at Bible News Radio on Twitter as well. Delightful. So, I will follow you back. Cool. And then we'll be Twitter pals. Yeah. Well, thank you for uh, for everything that you do. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to looking at the book. And I'm also uh, hoping that all of you out there in my audience, wherever you're at, um, you will get the book, too, if you love Mr. Ed. Mr. Rogers, <laughs> say Mr. Edwards. I would um, love for people to read the book, but even more than that, I would love for them to just sort of like, uh, you know, just like even a few times a day to say like, what would Mr. Rogers do right now? Uh, that, you know, like the world really needs that. So I'm hoping that, you know, sort of that's something that like people in your audience, uh, you know, can embrace and like help push things in a better direction. Yes, that would be awesome. All right. Okay, so that's it. <laughs> Uh, okay, so yeah. So keep in mind a couple of things when you hear interviews like this. Number one, I had pretty much zero info on the book, okay? Just so you know. <laughs> I literally got a little press sheet that said the name of the book, the guy's bio, etc. So, so, so I actually don't even really know a lot of what's in the book, but hopefully that whet your appetite to go get the book. Um, and number two... Um, <clears throat> uh, that was the very first time I talked to Gavin Edwards. Nice guy, huh? So let me ask you, were you surprised? I've never, I don't think I've ever seen an episode of Mr. Rogers Neighborhood. I'm going to have to find it on YouTube or something. Do you think it's on YouTube? Pretty much everything's on YouTube. Okay. I'll look for you. I know. I have a, I had a, um, I had a sad childhood. <laughs> I'm not being funny either. I did. I actually did. And that's probably why my mom never watched that show. Because, you know, let's just be honest, people. It's the parents that pick the kids' show, right? My mom made me watch The Electric Company and The New Zoo Review. And Annette mentioned Captain Kangaroo. I don't think I ever watched. I think I might have watched Captain Kangaroo. But, I don't know. Bareface, what did you think of the interview? <clears throat> I was impressed because I wouldn't give the opportunity. Well, you can get my book, you know, all the usual places, but more than anything, I hope the, you want the message to get out about kindness and wonder. And people embrace that more than they would buy my book. And so, and uh, he just seemed like a genuine kind of guy. And, uh, yeah. And um, I'm guessing a believer. I don't know. I don't know if he is or not, but 
but he, he mentioned the Holy Spirit, and so yeah. I mean, but I believe he's mentioned the Holy Spirit. I don't know, but yeah, I've he he was an anti-God. No, I was I was so. impressed with um yeah, just uh, seemed like a genuine guy that cares about the the welfare of humanity, and um, yeah, I really liked his parting shot there. But people would get the message more than the book. Yeah, I'm telling I'm telling him here we played his interview about 40 minutes into the show. That way I'm tweeting him out. Now, I do have one question. Maybe Randall can answer this. So, my question is bareface. Um why is Mr. Rogers spelled M I S T E R and not M R? Well, I'm going to guess you know Spelled out instead of abbreviated. Yeah. But Sorry, be, I yawned. My I bad. think I think because of that, he talked about preparing children to read. Yeah. That sort of thing, so that would be spelled out. You know, because generally when we're learning to read, abbreviations aren't being you know, a part of that repertoire. You know, we're learning to phonetically sound things out, and so hmm. so to spell out. Misses you almost never see spelled out. And it's always abbreviated and strangely because there is no R in the word misses. Yeah. Yeah, we, so I guess so is Mrs. spelled M I S S E S? U S, I believe. Oh S S. You don't know. <gasps> it's been so long since I've seen it spelled out, I believe that's that's how our fact checkers look in on that, but M I S S U S. Yeah, pretty interesting. sure. Anyway, so you <laughs> know, right. seeing that abbreviated, you know, children learning to read wouldn't know what to do with it, and same with Mister. So, did you guys like the interview? That listened to it all the way through, Jeff. Did you like it? Are you still there? And yeah, wouldn't it be neat to have that embroidered on a pillow? What I said earlier. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you would be surprised the stuff that people remember from my show. Sometimes, you know, I prep this show and it's like, I have this plan. Yeah, I do. My whole goal is to hammer this one point, right? And I get it and I put it out there. <laughs> and then... I might make a joke or something to do the show or I say something wrong or whatever. Then I get an email from people like, did you know that you did that and you say this all the time and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, really? <laughs> That's what you got out of the show? Really? <laughs> you know what producing a show like this is like? I'll tell you. First of all, it takes preparation to do a show. I know you all think that I just sit down here and don't do anything ahead of time. I just sit down and just decide I'm going to talk, right? There's a lot more to it. Yeah, there is. There's like booking a guest. There's like actually talking to the guests. They're scheduling the guests. Sometimes it's teaching the guests how to use Zoom. Sometimes they don't even know how to do that. You know, it's like numerous emails back and forth. Um, when we do news, it's finding the news that I think is interesting enough to get you to listen to it. Um, you know, and there's like this whole production. And of course, Randall 
Randall does everything else. I mean, Randall's the one that puts all that stuff up and, and, you know, makes it look pretty. You know, I'm just the, I'm the star. Yeah, I am. I am the star. It's like Jamie Grace taught me this. <laughs> Which I never really understood, but I guess it's a millennial thing, right? Is that it? I, I, I have no idea. Anyway. Uh, yeah. So there you have it, people. Okay, so that's the show for today. Tomorrow night, we should be back same time, 8 p.m. Central Time. When you'll get to hear me say at the end of the show, be bold, people. <laughs> Stand up and, hey, go with God because he loves you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does. <laughs>